Like our content? It's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. It's true. All of you made it happen. I want to start today. Today's talk is called How Love Works in Heaven with playing a little game. And the game is called Cluster Word Association. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a number of words and you think of what's the word that ties them all together, the, the common theme that runs through each of these. Okay, so the words are religion, church, Christianity, the Bible. I'll just say it. It's so obvious. Love. Right? Isn't that, what, isn't that what everybody thinks of when you hear those words? I think some people might argue that and say, look, there's other things that are more important. Or they might say, that's not what I associate with those experiences at all. That's not what it's been for my life. But I have proof that love is what that entire thing is about. And it, so I have this old Bible. I think it was gifted to me as part of some kind of church thing when I turned a certain age, like they have gifts for each year. I got this Bible. It's really falling apart. But right in the beginning of it, they chose, I mean, this is a long thing. There's so much writing in there. Actually, so the Bible's a thick-looking book, but they actually do this thing where they make the pages incredibly thin so that they can fit more of them in here. And they make that type incredibly thin. There's a ton of material in here. So who am I to say which part of it is the most important thing? Well, I don't have to say it because they chose for me. I don't know, whoever put this book together, this version of the Bible, I guess it was King James or something, they took one piece of this, one page out of these thousand million pages, and they put it in the front. See that? It's in yellow there. They decided, hey, when you start, when you open this thing up, you're going to read this first. We're going to set this apart from everything else. And that is 1 Corinthians 13. You see how, like, this is so... It's falling apart, but I refuse to get rid of it because I love it. So what, what is it that this passage says that makes them think this is so important that it's got to be the one that has its own thick yellow page in the front? And this is an incredible treatise on how important love is in all those things I just mentioned, how important love is to Christianity, how important love is to the Bible, because you might think, and I feel like it often gets this treatment in religion where people will say, oh yeah, yeah, there's love, but, but really it's about faith or it's about uh, do you conform to certain standards? I don't know. Let's see if that survives this. this uh, you're going to recognize it as soon as I start reading it, I think. Actually, this is, um, do you know the movie Hackers? In the 90s, when computers were just starting to be able to do things like hack, there was this movie that was called Hackers, and it was a, this fictitious account of computer hackers who were like all really attractive looking and led, led these cool lives, and they did all these things. It was very adventurous. It was a good hackers against the bad hackers. But at one point, this guy with like, he had sort of like braids or dreadlocks, and they're all very, very punk rock. And at one point, though, he says, when I was a, a child, I behaved as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
It's 1 Corinthians, no duh. So everybody knows this one. This is about love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I can talk the talk, but it doesn't matter unless I have love, okay? And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, that's pretty good. Like, what, uh, do you have any special skills? Yeah, I, I can prophesy and I understand all the mysteries in the world and I have all the knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. You could, I think you could make the argument, wait, didn't, didn't Jesus Christ say, which is what this is a reference to, he who has faith can, can say to this mountain, come from here and go over there. Isn't that the ultimate power? No, it's nothing. It doesn't matter. You can do that even if you could. It doesn't matter. If you don't have love, it doesn't matter. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Isn't martyrdom the ultimate expression of Christianity, of religion, to die for it? Isn't that what it is? No. You can do that. I hope you don't have to. But if you don't have love, it doesn't matter. And if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, isn't that what it is, is you, you, you give to charity? You can do that, but it doesn't matter if you don't have love, if you're not doing it from love. And then, and what I love about this is it goes on to describe what love is like and do it in a way that I think is universally true. Because you can, in religious contexts, have the word love thrown around a lot, but it's not really love. It's not really what the heart of the thing is, the thing that you know from your interaction with human beings and, and relationships and, and what it's like to be a person. So here we go. So what's love like? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. I like that. Because it's like, it's been so long since we cared. Like, don't be rude. Yeah, just, it's a little bit rude. It hurts my feelings. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, not even like to do iniquity, but just like, yeah, that's, yeah, ah, you got what you deserved, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I was recently watching YouTube, which just happens from time to time, and there was a son who was showing his father this song by a rapper named Tupac, and the father was hearing it for the first time, and the song was Tupac, his famous rapper. It was a, basically a love letter to his mother. As he, he'd gotten old enough to understand what she had went through, raising him and working hard and, and everything that she had had to go through at enduring. And the, the dad watching the video of the rapper's song was tearing up about just the love, about love. Love never fails. 
But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. <laughs> right? Like, okay, you might know a few true things, but you don't see the whole picture. Love is the whole picture. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. And this is the part that was quoted in the movie, Hackers. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Ah, it gives me goosebumps. It's a poem. I mean, I think it's true, but it's just, it's got this magic and this poetry to it, and I just feel it stir the soul. It stirs my soul. Which, let's linger on that for a second, because that poem is saying love is more important than anything. Love is more important than anything. And I think there's a part of, obviously it's resonating with someone if they put it in the front of the book and gave it that treatment and they're quoting it all over the place. It resonates with people, this poem that says love is the most important thing. Why would that be true for us? Because is love really the most important thing? I mean, physically? Is it, shouldn't it be that what really resonates with us is something about carbon. Because which, which are you going to die first without, love or carbon? What if, wouldn't it be true if we heard a rousing poem about carbon, which is the element that, it's not the only element that makes up your body, but you've got to have it. Wouldn't that stir us even deeper? Because that's more important, that, that it's more fundamental to life than just love is. Well, we're going to get to hear a poem about carbon right now. Um, are you all familiar with ChatGPT? It's artificial intelligence. You've probably heard somebody talking about it. It's, this, it's just a little thing on the computer where you can write anything and it will do what you say. It's pretty amazing. So I asked it, would you write me a poem about carbon? And this is what we got. <clears throat> In star's heart, under cosmic dome, carbon arises, finding home. Part of life's complex arrays in DNA's helix, it stays. Nah, doesn't really do anything for me. Why? Why does the love thing, like I get it, okay, carbon, but even though you have to have it to be alive, it also seems peripheral. Why would that be? It's because we are spiritual beings fundamentally. The part of you that is moved is spiritual. And there are these two sides to reality. Yeah, there's the physical side that has the carbon, that has to be in the right places in DNA's helix and all that. But the thing that really moves us is the talk about love because there are these two worlds the physical world, which is the outer external world, the world in which it's raining very hard right now. But then there's the internal world, 
which is the spiritual world, which is the world where your feelings reside, where your thoughts reside, and according to New Church, New Church theology, after your, your body dies, that's the world that we're in. That's the afterlife. That's where heaven is. And in that world, love is literally central to life. So it makes all the sense in the world that we would be most moved by something that's telling us about the importance of love. And so that's what we're going to explore in the next two sections of the talk is how the role that love plays on the plane of life where love is the most important thing. So let's get ready. Good morning, everybody.
That's such a cool line in the chorus there. Bring me a higher love. And why is it, why is it cool? Is it because of the, the notes? I, I think so. But I think it, it's also because of the lyrics, the content. Because asking for a higher love has the kind of gravitas or importance to it that makes it belong in a song chorus. Physical stuff doesn't move us the same way. I mean, y y if you had a song where the chorus was like, give me all the amino acids, you need them all. If you don't have them all, you're in trouble. But there's something that we can tell that's not what it's all about. That's not what it's all about. Let's talk about what it is all about. And I want to talk about love and how love is what it's all about. And, it, and particularly when it regards individual people. That your body's not make, what makes you who you are. It is your love that makes you who you are. So I have a grandmother. And this is her. Her name is Donette Allfelt. And she died a couple years ago. But she is still, she's still alive. That's how it feels to me. And I want to give you a sense of who she is or was as a person. And what, the fastest way I can do that is to tell you that she, after she died, shortly after she died, I got delivered a, an envelope or like a plastic binder thing full of notes that she had written to me throughout the last couple decades of her life that she was planning to give me after she died. Just, just things that, that she felt like it would be important for me to see when she was gone. Because she had a very strong sense, uh, belief in this, the soul doesn't die. That she'll still be her. Her husband had died decades before and she was just getting ready and hanging on and, and living for the joy of that reunion. But she was just sitting there in her apartment you know, when, tw 20 years ago saying, okay, Curtis, someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want you to open this up after I'm gone. I brought a couple of them here. Oh, let's start with this one. I just want to read in part. This is from October 1st, 2010 ancient history. She says, um, and I don't remember what prompted this. I guess we went out to eat. Uh, that was a long, I can't remember that long ago. Dear Curtis, a few days ago, you not only rescued me, you went out and got pizza and ate lunch with me. Thanks. The rescuing, I'm sure it was something like I moved her air conditioner for her or something like that. And she goes on, I won't read the whole thing, but she's talking about my career and how I had just started. I was actually working here at New Church Live, running the kids program. And she ends it by saying, life is so interesting and very surprising. One of the biggest surprises of life is getting old. It is very confusing to live in an old body when you feel young. It is also annoying at times, but as I've said many times and mean it, the best age is the age that you are. There are so many great things about being 80. I can hardly wait to be 81, but I must continue to appreciate being 80 for a few more weeks. We must never confuse the state of our body as the measure of the blessings or hardships of our, of our being the age we are. We are not our bodies, but, but you know that. 
And so in between there, she had talked about, okay, this is what I'm doing right now. This is what I, Curtis was doing for work right then and I wonder where it's going to go. And then you won't be able to see this, but I'll put it up twice in pen in the margin, once in 2012 and once in 2014, she came back and wrote little notes giving updates based on what I was doing at the time and, and how I was going. So she kept this in her drawer and she's like, oh, I'm going to come back two years, four years later and get ready to give this to, to Curtis. And I loved it. It totally touched me. I remember I was going through a difficult period when I first decided I'm going to open up that envelope and, and look at what's in there. And it brought me incredible comfort. I just want to read one, the, the bottom of one other note she sent me. Um, she spent the first part of this, I had gone through something difficult and she was feeling upset that, that I had been hurt. And she was saying, I, I, I don't feel like I can bring this up to you right now, but she goes on to say that she, she hopes that I feel better. And then at the very end, she says, if you're reading this, she was, she was talking about sort of her own struggles with, how, sure, I can get it that God is taking care of me, but if he's not taking care of my kids and my grandkids, I can't, I can't handle that. I can't just trust God on that one. So at the end, she says, so if you're reading this, it means I'm in the other world and I understand the big picture. So know that I'm trying to send peace to you and all of my loved ones. So I'm, I'm in the other world. I get the big picture. I don't know if you've ever read an account of people who have these things called near-death experiences, but they, they are in some kind of accident. They go to the other side. They, they leave their bodies, and suddenly there are, there are gods right in front of them, and there are beings of light. And also there's this explanation of, here's why everything like it is. And nobody comes back and says, well, that wasn't good enough. Everyone says, I get it. I get it now. So that, that was one example of, of who Donette was, but she did... Everything she did was kind of like that. Uh, she had all these different projects that she had worked on. I'll give you a sampling here. She had a, a book called Comfort and Hope for Widows and Widowers, which was an extension of a group that she was running where she would work with people who had lost their spouse and were, were struggling with feeling alone. And she'd give them encouragement and this idea that you can reunite with this person in the afterlife. She wrote a journal for grief, so if somebody has, she's like this, this journal that's there, but it's got these little prompts and these inspirational messages. She had this talk she would give to high school students called the, the, the top of the yardstick, and it was meant to give them perspective and to say, hey, look, I know that you're 16 or 15 right now, and it seems like the problems facing you or that's the entire world caving in, but actually, look at this. If, if 100 years is a yardstick, you're just right here. There's so much more of life to live. There's so much more to do. Yeah, there's a mug, the best age is the age you are. And also she had these toys. Whenever we came over as a kid, I remember she always had these really creative, fun little toys for us to play with and she would always stock up on new ones. So that's who she was. And I'm trying to think, what is the word that encapsulates the kind of, this, the thing, the common thread that runs through all of that? Is it, is it that she was compassionate or empathetic, or, or caring, or comforting? What, what is it that ties all those different things together? And I understood when, when putting this together, this talk, that the word is 
for, for that kind of love that comes through in everything that she does, the word is Donette. That was her name, Donette. Because each of us is the love that we have. Does that make sense? To me, that was, a, that was a profound moment, that you are a kind of love. You are a kind of love. So the, the activity of the, the urge in her to make things better for people in these different ways, that comes from the kind of love that she is inside of her. And each one of us is that. We are the love that we are. And that doesn't die when your carbon falls apart and your amino acids scatter. That love is forever. This is from Ezekiel, where I, I believe God here is talking about how there's something going on inside you. Sure, there's the body, and it's going to do what it's going to do, but there's something going on inside you. It says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give it, you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and, er, and give you a heart of flesh. That's an upgrade. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you and your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I think what Donette was trying to get me to notice, what this passage is saying is that you are a geode. You're like a geode. Do you know what a geode is? Everyone knows them by now. It's probably you have bookends that are geode bookends. Geodes are this kind of rock where there are two things happening at the same time. So as I understand it, a geode forms that outer gray part. That is often a lava flow, and it's just an air bubble that forms inside a piece of rock. So there was one process that made the rock that's around it. But then there's a second process, which is into that bubble, which at first is just empty, water seeps into it. Just like trickling through the little porous lava rock above it, water gets in there, somehow it evaporates out of there, and the minerals that were in the water stay behind. So it comes in and moves through in a little bit. And over what can be even millions of years, these amazing mineral structures show up in there. So there is this, by a separate process than the process that forms the outside, there is this beautiful inside forming. That's you. Sure, there's your body, and it, it, it is what it is. And it comes from genetics and how, the, how you're interacting with the world and whatever. But inside you, there is this constant building of the love uh, that makes you who you really are. So every little process, everything that Donette was going through when she would write these little notes and update them and she was doing those classes, and that was building this, this structure in her, uh, the, the love that makes her her. That's what's going on inside each one of us. And that's who you really are. We're not the body. That's who we really are. I'll finish this section with a quote from New Church Theology. This is Heaven and Hell, where it talks about how right now in, when we're living physical life, it's a little hard to see that, but it becomes really obvious. All my experience in heaven bears witness to the fact that the divine nature that comes from the Lord, affects angels, and constitutes heaven is love. Love. 
In fact, all the people there are forms of love and thoughtfulness. Just like the, the, the crystals building up in the geode, all the love and all the thoughtfulness you have in your life is shaping what your spirit looks like. So your, your face actually beams out that particular kind of love which you are. They look indescribably beautiful. Nice. Love radiates from their faces, from their speech, from every detail of their behavior. So not only does love make you who you are in heaven, in the afterlife, it makes you look how you look, and it, you can't get within 10 meters of someone without feeling that and sensing that love. Really there in that world, love is the central thing. So it makes all the sense in the world that we would hear songs about it. Speaking of that, let's hear another song about love and then come back and look at one more way in which love is central to the spiritual side of life. Angel in disguise 
to make a donation to New Church Live. And I do want to acknowledge the fact that we did come up pretty short with our fundraising goal last fiscal year that ended on June 30th. Um, we were about $100,000 short of our goal, which I want you all to know, you can rest easy. We will make sure that we can make up that ground with some of the savings that we've um, accumulated over the past years and some cost saving or reallocation of funds. So New Church Live is going to continue to operate um, seamlessly despite our shortfall. But I will say this is actually the most powerful time of the year because if you set up a reoccurring gift right now at the beginning of our fiscal year, your donation has the ability to make a huge impact on our goal for next year. So we say it's about $20 a week for everybody who watches this service. So if you set up a reoccurring gift of $20 a week right now, you will be able to support New Church Live at the level it takes to sustain operations for this next fiscal year. So we're encouraging everybody who can make that commitment to do so today. You can do it on all of the major platforms that I talk about. You can text the word New Church Live all one word, all lowercase to 77977. You can go to our website or you can use the QR code. And um, we always say this, if $20 a week is too much for you, then please you know, donate at the level that you can. When you go to our reoccurring gift page, you can set up the reoccurring donation that works for you. Maybe it's once a month, maybe it's once a week, uh, maybe it's more than $20 a week to account for people who might not be able to do that if you are able to, or maybe it's a little less than that, but $20 is the benchmark for what it takes to sustain operations from everybody who watches New Church Live. So we hope you'll consider making a donation and setting up that reoccurring gift that has a powerful impact on our operations. So thank you everybody who's donated in the past and thank you to everybody considering setting up a donation today. Thanks everyone. Thank you very much, everyone who's allowed us to do what we do. Let's do a little more of it right now. So we talked about the importance of love, how we understand, you get it, that that's what it is. That's what life is all about. Each one of us really is what we love. I mean, that's, that's who you really are, and that doesn't change when your body dies. Now I want to talk about how love gathers things together. How love can gather things together. Love can organize things. Love can actually, on the spiritual side of life, it can set the landscape. This is a quote from Isaiah that I like. It's about gathering. And I see it as this message of comfort from God. It's like, don't worry, I'm going to sort this out. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west I will say to the north, give them up, 
and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. And the image that that gives me is uh, from all the different directions, it's like everybody's rushing into the middle. It's just this pull, like you're coming from here, you're coming from there. It's almost like, it's like a magnet or maybe even a little like gravity. Love is spiritual gravity. So gravity, you've probably heard of, and you probably know that it's the thing that makes it so that you don't float away. That if you, ha if you up, go up in a plane, they can simulate zero G, no gravity by, I don't know what they do, they like do that or something. And when you're inside the plane, you float. You're, you're like, you're, it's like you're in a spaceship. That's one thing, but, but gravity actually holds everything together. So without gravity, there would be no solar system because it's the force of the sun's gravity that keeps us from flying off into space. The moon wouldn't do what it does. Gravity is why. Why, when, you know, I have um, a nephew who came to visit us recently who was really into saying, why? Why, but why? The answer ultimately is probably gravity. Why does that boat sail down that river there? Well, a few steps down, it's because of gravity. Gravity is why everything is like it is. In the physical world, in the spiritual world, which is the afterlife, it's heaven that you go into, but also the place right now where your spirit exists, everything is organized by love. Love is the most important thing there. This is a quote from, again, from Swedenborg's Heaven and Hell, where he talks about the, the primacy and the, the real moving power of love to, to set up how things are in the afterlife. A great deal of my experience has testified to the fact that we are our love or intention after death. We talked about that. Donette is still who she was. I don't know what she looks like now, but the love that I'm going to recognize that instantly, the love that makes her her. And she's going to continue to, the kind of things she was doing for people like me in this world, she's still doing that for other people that have moved into the afterlife. All heaven is differentiated into communities on the basis of the differences in the quality of love. And every spirit who is raised up into heaven and becomes an angel is taken to the community where her or his love is. When we arrive there, we feel as though we are in our own element, at home, back to our birthplace, so to speak. And that was written in the 1700s, and probably at the time that it was written, people said, well, nothing works like that. Nothing pulls people in and gathers them in a single space because of how they love or what they care about. That's not the way the world works. People are gathered into a space because of what jobs are available there or because that's as far as their mule can take them. But now you see that all the time. What, New Church Live, there's people watching us all over the, I don't know, country, world. And the only thing that's bringing us together in this moment is we, we care about the same thing. We all want to be here because of what we love, which is 
trying to live the good life and seek the Lord God, that's bringing us together. Go, go, um, go on Facebook. Look at the groups tab. There's all these people who want to talk about the model trains, have their own Facebook group. People who are gardeners have their own Facebook group. There are these communities now that form based on what you love. So in heaven, love is free from the physical things that hold it back here. And really, your heart just goes to be with the hearts of the people that, that you really, that you love. So love actually organizes everything. Heaven and hell are just that on a grand scale. There's not, God is not there saying, okay, here's this line. You can't come here. You can't go there. Everybody goes to what they love. And if you love uh, cruelty and, and being better than everyone and it's all about me, 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 that's great. You can go there and, and everyone else who feels the same way is going to go there as well. If you love the happiness of all and to the extent that you love the happiness of all, which is what God is, then you go in that direction. You know, I said Donette is a particular kind of love. God is a particular kind of love. And that particular kind of love is the desire for the most full and profound happiness for every single person that exists and ever will exist. So the more that you, your love lines up with that, the closer to God you go and you come into this happiness and joy that we call heaven because of that. Heaven is just a matter of love. Communities are shaped by love. We are love. In the afterlife, love is, love is the main thing. And that's why we know when we hear this thing in the beginning of the Bible when it says, without love, I'm nothing. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Because that's how it is in, maybe it's not in the life of your externals, the love that I have won't affect whether or not my basement leaks, but it does affect, you know, how I feel and, and ultimately what I'm trying to do with my life. And it matters more than the basement. So let's take a time here to process and give... Um, a little thought to the role that, that love plays in our life and how God is love. Because if I say that the thing that connects Christianity and the Bible and church is love, you can say that that's, that's Jesus, that that is God. That's the same thing. So this is the Lord's Prayer, which is coming from God, who is that love, and trying to give us the instructions on how we can move more into that love that links us to God. So see these words as that. We can say it together, or you can just listen. Um, it's up to you. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's all about love. It's asking us, hey, give us the things today that are going to allow us to, to grow in love and remove the things that are going to keep us from, from being in love. So I hope you go out into your day and feeling like 
yeah, love is what it's all about. And there is a side of life in which love is the thing that drives everything. And we can bring that spiritual reality to, to earth. Actually, that's, that's why we're here is to do that. This physical world isn't automatically driven by love, but we can make it so it is. So let's do that. As in heaven, so upon the earth. Hope you all have a great rest of your weekend.
Thank you. Have a great week.